Hey folks, Tony Gatliff here with Military Resource Radio coming at you with another great episode. And we've got a really interesting guest today. We have Michael Epstein. He is an award-winning filmmaker whose work has appeared on such prestigious programs as Makers, American Masters, The American Experience, A&E's Biography, and Frontline. He's also been nominated for an Academy Award and awarded two George Foster Peabody Awards, two Emmy Awards, a Writers Guild Award, and several other industry honors. Um, This guy is a uh, big, big hitter in this uh, documentary space, and uh, he's just done an amazing job. He also teaches documentary journalism at the School of Visual Arts MFA program in documentary film in New York City. Um, just an amazing, amazing guest. You should, you're, you're going to love this interview, and it's actually going to be on not only this week, not only the next week, but the weekend, uh, the week after. Excuse me. Uh, he is going to be on, and part of his interview is going to be uh, airing on all three of those episodes of Military Resource Radio. So, if you want to make sure to hear both those additional episodes. You've got to do one thing, and that is subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast on one of our podcast outlets, iTunes, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Google Play, Player FM. Wherever you want to consume a podcast, you can subscribe to Military Resource Radio. And not only these next two interview segments with Michael Epstein, but all additional episodes of the show will be downloaded into your favorite device uh, automatically. You won't have to worry about it. And Military Resource Radio will show up for you every week, just like you, our listeners, show up for us every week. So without further ado, I am going to get into the first uh, part of our interview with Michael Epstein. And uh, we will uh, catch you on the flip side of this first segment. Hey, Michael, how are you today? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks so much for being on Military Resource Radio. We really appreciate it. And, folks, again, we're talking to uh, Michael Epstein, producer, writer, director. Um, He's actually uh, got uh, two great documentaries uh, that are uh, coming out very soon. One just premiered at Tribeca. That was House Two. And then Going to War is going to be uh, airing on Memorial Day 2018 on PBS. So uh, absolutely uh, amazing. I watched both of these, and uh, they are extremely compelling. And anyone that's out there that's interested in military or veterans issues should uh, see these uh, documentaries for sure. And uh, just a little more to just uh, give a little brag session here about Michael. Uh, He is uh, an Academy Award. Award, uh, nominee for uh, Best Documentary uh, Feature. He has a Primetime Emmy Award. He has several uh, Primetime Emmy uh, nominations, or excuse me, two awards and one nomination. Um, and uh, as well, you know, he's uh, gotten a George Foster P- uh, Peabody Award, a Writers Guild Award, a Writers Guild nomination. The list goes on and on. I could go on and on uh, about all the uh, awards and uh, and uh, things that he's been given. And uh, I can certainly see why after seeing these two documentaries, Michael. Well, you make it sound like I actually have a career. So um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> that's a great, that's a that's a good thing. At least if it sounds that way, right? Right. Exactly. Even if it's not real. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, yeah. good. So so uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, and how you came to do this. So you grew up in Chicago, correct? I did. I grew up in Chicago. I'm a Midwestern kid. Um, I went to school in Chicago, and um, you know, I always 
I'm one of those guys who did not know what I was going to do. I fell into this um, by chance. I loved photography. I still love photography. Um, and, you know, I find when I have a free moment, I'm, I'm there looking at my pictures or thinking about pictures and all of those things. And, you know, I love storytelling. And I, I had an opportunity just out of college. I started in Champaign-Urbana, and then I graduated from the University of Michigan, so I'm a sort of two of the Big Ten. <laughs> there um, you go. Yeah, and um, I got an opportunity to be a researcher uh, early in what was, I think, a, is a great series on public television called The American Experience. In its first season, I, I was able to be an archival researcher for a film about prohibition, and so... Uh, and we, you know, this appropriate to you, the film was about the Purple Gang, which was the Prohibition rum runners in Detroit that would go across uh, Detroit River to Windsor. So, and so really funny. And just to just to break in, I, I'm glad that you that you did that. Um, really, really interesting. I actually um, uh, grew up in a city called Gross Point, Michigan. And sure. it's right, aclo- right across St. Clair, uh, Lake St. Clair from Windsor. And so I grew up, I went to a, a school called Gross Point South, which is on the end that's sort of more toward Detroit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there was people that I went to school with that lived in these giant mansions down in an area called Windmill Point. And many of them had tunnels under their house yeah. that still <laughs> went to... Um, little boat docks where they used to run alcohol yes. back and forth in the in the prohibition days. So I, uh, yeah. it's subject near and dear it's to a my great heart. Story. Actually, one of the things that those guys would do also, this is by way of nothing, um, but uh, they would load up the Model Ts, which by the twenties were kind of old cars, uh, and the the river and the the lake would freeze over, right? And uh, they load it up. And they would ride on they would ride on the on the uh, sideboards, uh, and if the br- ice broke, they would just jump off, and the Model Ts would just sink full of Canadian whiskey. Right, so I've heard the about bottom, that. Yeah, so the bottom of that lake, there are just tons of Model Ts, supposedly. Yeah, full that, of Canadian whiskey from you know, 100 years ago. It, it's so funny that you mentioned that, and I haven't thought about this in years until you just broke it, brought it up. Um, but it's really interesting. Um, actually, uh, when I was in college, I took my father's boat out on Lake St. Clair, and I just chewed up the propeller on one of those sunken Model Ts over near Grace yeah. Point, actually. So it's so funny. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, have, I haven't uh, thought about that in years until you mentioned it. See, this is what documentary filmmakers are supposed to do, <laughs> make you think about your past um, in fresh and new ways. Hey folks, Tony Gatliff here, host of Military Resource Radio. While we have a minute here, I wanted to mention our mission statement here on Military Resource Radio, and that is as follows. Here on Military Resource Radio, we connect veterans and active duty service members with amazing resources and organizations to improve their lives. We inspire veterans, active duty service members, and civilians alike to get involved with these amazing resources and organizations. We also enlighten veterans, active duty service members, and civilians alike on service-related resources and benefits like the real estate and mortgage market and process, as well as other current military news and events related to them. 
Uh, in addition, folks, we always like to, on Military Resource Radio, we like to send out a hearty thank you to all our veterans and active duty service members around the world and coast to coast. Thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you so much for what you continue to do. That's what makes uh, America the land of the free and the home of the brave and what uh, keeps us uh, doing Military Resource Radio every single week. So thank you so much to all our active duty service members and veterans coast to coast and around the world. We really appreciate it. Now, back to more Military Resource Radio. One of my roommates in college, but actually my oldest and dearest friend who I met the very first day of kindergarten, uh, back in Lincolnwood, Illinois, where I grew up, um, uh, John was Navy ROTC. Um, we were roommates, and so I was driving him to drill, and then he was in the Marine Corps. Um, I remember training with him for officer candidate school, which I did not blessedly do. But John served uh, uh, in the Marine Corps and then was in the Gulf War, uh, to date myself a little bit. And when the Iraq War happened, John never went into film. He went into finance, but we remained very close. And we decided we want to try to tell a story about this war and about the people who are serving. And I eventually um, picked up a USA Today. I was making a different film about the Battle of Antietam uh, for History Channel and walked out of my hotel room pick up the USA Today and there is a story about a Marine Reserve unit um, from Columbus, Lima Company from the 3rd Battalion, 25th Marine Division, who had suffered the largest um, IED attack on August 3rd of 2005. And um, we contacted the Marine Corps and and initially the notion was that that documentary was going to be about that company coming home and having to reintegrate. Um, um, they were a reserve unit, so they had the benefit of, for me, being in the same location, right? They were Cincinnati and Columbus. Um, and we spoke with the INI staff, and we became close with them, and we went to, just after they returned home, they had a, a memorial service for, um, they had 23 KIA uh, in, in their seven-month tour. Um, and 56 Purple Hearts. And they're they're an amazing group of men. I mean, just some of the most incredible people I've ever met in my life. And they let us film the memorial, and when we went out to their memorial at their Rickenbacker uh, Air Base, which is where they would do their weekend drills, um, uh, there was a story in the Associated Press about one of the fallen Marines singing in his barrack in the Haditha Dam, uh, puff the magic dragon and blow it in the wind. And I thought, how strange. And at that point, the film was meant to be uh, their reintegration in Columbus and little snippets of what their tour was like. And I asked the staff sergeant, who was the collector of all the video, if he had that video of, of Lance Corporal Dreyer. And he said he did. And he said, in fact, I have all the video. What would you like? And as a documentarian, when you hear that, the answer is, well, what do you have? And it turned out that uh, Lima Company had filmed pretty much every single second of their deployment, 
uh, at some angle. You know, that there were Marines that had cameras, and this was in the days just as YouTube was starting in the Marine Corps, and the military wasn't really collecting all that video and keeping people from shooting it. Right, right. And so Combat Diary really is the story of that unit's tour from their point of view and entirely in their voice. Um, and that film came out in Memorial Day of 2006, just as the Haditha story was hitting. And out of that, I, I got onto Frank's team. And then when the PBS film came up recently, you know, it, it was just the perfect fit. And uh, we can talk about that one. I think we should probably talk about that one first. Because yes. I had a very, I mean, I have a very, as a civilian who sort of sits outside and who, who has been also, I mean, you know, Sebastian Younger is one of the key voices and he's, he's just a remarkable person. Carl yeah. Marlentis. Uh, is the other main voice. They, they both do amazing, amazing jobs in this documentary of really making you feel like you're right there and really doing some uh, some amazing things and, and making some very poignant uh, statements as well. Yeah, they're, they're both incredible people. Carl's book, Matterhorn, is among my favorite novels ever written. And um, Carl brings to it a writer's take on combat uh he's got remarkable insights um and sebastian is both intimate and an outsider you know he was right uh you know obviously his most famous work is restrepo which is is still the gold standard i think for war filmmaking um and you know i came to it having to try to channel all of that and i I feel like we we either do these kinds of empty celebrations that don't genuinely and meaningfully reflect what combat is like, mm -hmm. but make us feel good. Right. Right. So thank you for your service. Yeah, the standard. You're at the NFL game and there's the flyover and they play. I'm proud to be an American and all that. Yeah. And it's like an and and not that that's like a a bad thing or the worst thing, you know. But I but I talk about that on the show sometimes too. You know, like those empty gestures that are just kind of make everybody else feel good, not really make the veteran feel good, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm of the opinion that. There's a kind of, and I, I say this from a civilian point of view and as a civilian, there's a, a, a kind of willful ignorance that we have. Oh, I mean this in the civilian world. Completely, and, that's, um, and, and I'm a civilian too, and you are completely a million percent right. right. And I think that that ignorance that we embrace um, means that we don't have to know too much. So if we don't know too much, we're not really responsible. We're not responsible for the weapon of the Republic and what it does in our name. And we're also then not responsible when uh, the men and women come home. Um, if I don't know, <laughs> I can't be bothered. And, and yet we don't want to feel bad. And so, as you say, those empty gestures fill us up with, you know, kind of, they're like sugar. They're like kind of cotton candy. Um, they're empty calories in terms of patriotism. Um, but they also absolve us of responsibility. And Sebastian and I have talked about that quite a bit, Carl and I as well. We wanted to make a film that, that 
most decidedly did not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think among the things that our veterans have to confront are experiences and the need or the, the, the sort of urgency to tell their story and a society that seems to want to celebrate them on the one hand, but on the other hand, has no interest in hearing them. And, um, and I think that there can be something, I don't want to say cathartic, but I think essential in storytelling. You know, there is a reason why we still read Homer and we still talk about the Trojan War, right? Um, the Greeks knew that storytelling and storytelling about war in particular was essential. It was essential to know who you were. It was essential to know who you were as a society. And I don't want to get too Dr. Phil here and about healing and all that crap, but you know, I, I think there's a real reason why there's this epidemic of PTSD. Um, and I think that some measure of it has to do with a society that has all of these empty celebrations that asks so much of men and women in combat, in, in country, that they come home and, and we don't want to be bothered. We don't want to listen. We don't, we, but we'll, we'll, we'll thank you for your service and all of this other stuff. And you, that cognitive dissonance is so hard. Uh, and so we went into this film going to war saying, you know, uh, as, as best we can, let's let the veterans speak for themselves um, and let's let them speak directly and openly um, and let's, let's do our job, uh, which is to listen. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there's, there's, uh, I think one thing I'd like to add to what you said is we ask so much of these active duty service members that are in harm's way every single day, and everyone else is asked to contribute so little, yeah. right? And and exactly. So so you know, nothing. right? We're, we're asked. Nothing. We're asked to contribute nothing. And and the funny the funny thing is like at least during you know World War Two right people were buying you know bonds there was a rubber shortage there was a a butter shortage right you know everybody kind of felt like well oh, you know you know you had to at least think about it you had to at least think about it right and you know I think part of it too just has to do with the oversaturation of every single subject and in whatever, you know, in our, in our society, right? Like the things that we yeah. should really be talking about are, you know, veterans and PTSD and, you know, what's going on with these folks that are coming home, what's going on abroad in these wars and whatever. And instead we're talking about Stormy Daniels, right? <laughs> you know, it's all about what sells, right? Hey folks, Tony Gatliff, host of Military Resource Radio here, and I'm sorry to interrupt this rousing rendition of Military Resource Radio, but I've got a couple things I've got to go over. The first thing is Military Resource Radio is on the BBMC Mortgage Radio Network, and it is sponsored by BBMC Mortgage. BBMC Mortgage is a full-service lender in all 50 states doing residential purchase and residential refinance loans. Any of your residential mortgage needs can be taken care of by BBMC Mortgage. And if you do have any needs, you need to dial us up at 888-366, the number 4, and the letters MRR. 
That's 888-366, the number four, Mike Romeo Romeo, or numerically 888-366-4677. We will put you in touch with the right expert at BBMC Mortgage to handle your situation You'll be so glad that you got your mortgage through BBMC Mortgage because they are a tremendous sponsor of this show. And guess what? Me, Tony Gatliff, I'm a vice president of mortgage lending at BBMC Mortgage too, in addition to being the host of this show. So we'll put you in touch with the right person here at BBMC Mortgage. If you do have any mortgage needs, please give us a call, 888-366, the number four, and the letters MRR. As well, If you do choose to do business with BBMC Mortgage, you're doing well and you're doing good at the same time. And that's because of our Patriots Charity Initiative. This is an amazing program, folks. What it does is BBMC Mortgage on each and every funded loans proceeds, whether that's a VA loan, FHA loan, conventional loan, non-conforming or jumbo loan, any mortgage that we do, whether it's a purchase or refinance, we give $125 of that funded loans proceeds, which adds up to about over $2.5 million since 2015 when we started this. We give $125 of that funded loans proceeds to one of four veteran-related service organizations. Now, it's BBMC's $125, but you, the client, get to pick where it goes. And the four veteran service organizations that we work with right now on the Patriots Charity Initiative are the USO, The Mission Continues, The Headstrong Project, and Team Rubicon, all amazing organizations. You can find out more about our Patriots Charity Initiative by heading on over to militaryresourceradio.com. Again, that's militaryresourceradio.com for all the latest and greatest information on the show. But you have to scroll down on the homepage down to our Patriots Charity Initiative section, and that'll give you a better idea of what we do and what these service organizations out there do. They're All four of them are amazing organizations that are doing great things for veterans and active duty service members out there, so I'm sure you're going to want to check that out. One last thing, I want you to follow us on Twitter at MilitaryRR. That's at Military, just the word Military, Romeo, Romeo, at MilitaryRR. That's our Twitter handle for Military Resource Radio. We're just getting that up and running, so please jump onto Twitter and follow us at MilitaryRR. Again, I'm Tony Gatliff, your host with Military Resource Radio, and we'll be back in just a minute with some more Military Resource Radio. It's interesting, I can tell a story when I was doing, I, the House 2 is the product of the fact that in 2006, I joined the defense team of a Marine staff sergeant who was being accused of really horrible war crimes and, and denied um, participating. It was the Haditha massacre and Frank Wooderich. Yes, Frank So I joined Wooderich. his defense team, yeah. And I joined his defense team and documented it at House 2 is. Um, a fairly explosive documentary about that journey. Um, but I, I went to Anbar. I went to Haditha, to al-Assad, and, and, and convoyed through that area in 2008. And that was during the Sunni awakening, and I experienced not one whit of problems while I was there. You know, I don't want to... I mean, there were I, nothing. But what was interesting to me was the night before I left, and my children at that point were quite young. Um, my little one was not quite four. 
And as I was putting her to bed, I remember thinking, you know, if something does happen, IED or whatever, and I had no idea at that point, Mm -hmm. um, she won't remember me. She's just too young. You know, there's going to be photographs of us and people will tell her stories and maybe from that she'll form memories. Mm -hmm. But there's no way she'll be able to remember me. And at that moment, Tony, I remember very distinctly thinking, I have no idea what it means to go to war. Uh, you know, I had made a film at that point. America had been at war, what was it, five years at that moment? Yeah, yep. And I remember thinking, like, I haven't a clue. I I, I think I'm smart. I think I'm connected. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were people who were doing two, three, four tours by that point whose families were being disrupted constantly. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm choosing to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going for seven months. I'm going for whatever, not that long. And I'm going to come home. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Nothing was asked of me at any point. And uh, defending Frank was entirely, I mean, I, you know, volunteered for that service. Um, and I remember really distinctly putting my daughter to bed thinking, I have no attachment to this um, experience. And there are so many people whose lives we are all so disconnected from. So, you know, when we did go into war, I, I tried as best I could to, to do that. Um, well, and, it, and the goal here was really as a filmmaker, if I can, I don't mean you're, up, I, no, you you're know, okay. um, was to not treat the war in Afghanistan or in Vietnam or Korea as a separate entity to to approach the subject saying if you if you've seen combat whether you're part of napoleon's army or the ancient greeks you know if you're a spartan or a marine in tarawa or a army ranger in the karangal valley you share something um unique you know it doesn't matter the landscape it doesn't matter the technology uh being a employed the tactics the training there's something to a combat veteran in terms of the human experience um that is different and that commonality is what we tried to get at and so what we did was we we found veterans who had vastly different experiences from many many different conflicts american all of them uh and sort of put them in a blender where they would start a story and finish another somebody's thought um even though you're talking about a vietnam vet uh who saw you know like carl uh jungle conflict or others like ab grantham who was in way city to people like um brian kastner who was an eod specialist in iraq and afghanistan two generations later um and that hopefully the film connects people in a more meaningful way to what it means to be a veteran because those stories are more intimate in that regard. And and I absolutely think it does that. And, and again, that's going to war premiering on Memorial day on PBS, uh, an absolutely tremendous film. And I've got to say, um, and, and I mean this as a, a compliment and I loved seeing that, you know, the veterans were the ones that were telling their stories, right? 
It wasn't you yeah. telling their stories. You just were having veterans and obviously Sebastian, you know, some other folks that were kind of mingled in there talking about their their experiences, uh, you know, during combat. And, you know, I just thought that was great. And, and it reminded me actually um, in a lot of different ways, and I'm not sure if you've ever seen this, but if you've uh, uh, you ever see the documentary HBO did it, it's called Alive Day. Uh, it was HBO sure. did it with sure. James James Gandolfini from The Sopranos. And I remember that. I mean this in the absolute uh, you know most complimentary way because I love that documentary and I love what it's about. It's just it, it's a different subject. It's different subject matter, but stylistically it was very close to each other in terms of. Um, you know, just having the veterans tell their stories with, you know, videos, music to back it up. And I, I just really love that. Hey, folks, Tony Gatliff, host of Military Resource Radio here. And a question I get all the time about Military Resource Radio is, Tony, where can I listen to Military Resource Radio? Well, we are on several different online outlets that you can get on your favorite device. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn, which is already pre-programmed into your Amazon Echo device. All you need to do is go up to that Echo device and say, Alexa, play Military Resource Radio podcast. Boom. Instantly. The most recent episode of Military Resource Radio will start playing on your Amazon Echo device. Whether that's a spot, a show, the regular Echo, whatever it is, you can get Military Resource Radio anytime, any place through Amazon on that. And as well, again, folks, those online outlets where you can download, subscribe to, and rate Military Resource Radio five stars are as follows iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google Play, Player FM, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And folks, another place that you can uh, grab Military Resource Radio digitally is through our website at militaryresourceradio.com. Not only can you get uh, all available episodes of the show, a preview of our next show, and as well as some other features, this is where all the latest and greatest information about Military Resource Radio uh, is uh, given out. Uh, you can take a look at our podcast tab where you, you can see each and every uh, previous episode of the show right there and available for play right at militaryresourceradio.com. You can click the About Us tab, take a look at a little bit more information about me, Tony Gatliff, your host of Military Resource Radio, and about the show itself. You can contact us uh, through our online contact form, or you can simply call us at 888-366, the number four in the letters MRR, that's Mike Romeo Romeo. Numerically, that's 888-366-4677. You can contact us either via email or via phone. Um, and uh, as well, uh, you can take a look again at militaryresourceradio.com. That's our home base for all the latest and greatest information. Uh, you can check out where to listen to us, the links for the aforementioned iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, TuneIn, Player FM, Google Play, iHeartRadio. They're all right there on our website, so you can go to whichever outlet you like the best. 
download uh, right into your device and subscribe to our podcast and rate it five stars. Folks, you have no uh, idea how much that helps here with Military Resource Radio. So, again, I'm Tony Gatliff, your host of Military Resource Radio. Please don't hesitate to head on over to militaryresourceradio.com and contact us through our contact form or uh, just take a look at some of the great information on the show. Or if you want to, give us a call. We do respond to all voicemails and messages left. Again, that number is 888-366, the number four in the letters MRR, or 888-366-4677 digitally. I'm Tony Gatliff, your host with Military Resource Radio. Now, back to more Military Resource Radio. I did want to talk uh, as well too. You know, you don't you don't do just uh, uh, documentaries about uh, war, combat, the military. You've actually had uh, some pretty wide ranging subjects in your career. The first one, which you got nominated for an Oscar for, was the Battle over Citizen Kane, and yeah. uh, and, and that's uh, Citizen Kane is one of those. Um, uh, subjects that you know continues to come up in American culture, right? Like a lot of people think that, in many ways, Citizen Kane's the greatest film that's ever been made, right? Um, so a lot of people think that, but the story of it behind William Randolph Hearst and how he went after Orson Orson Welles over the distribution of it, um, because supposedly Citizen Kane is like a little bit. Uh, uh, biographical, I guess we'll say, over uh, uh, of uh, yeah. William Randolph Hearst, and I, I noticed there that uh, you co-directed and produced with Thomas Lennon. Is that the Thomas Lennon that's an actor, or is that a different one? Yeah, no, it's not. It's not the old Comedy Central Thomas Lennon. Thomas, that's okay. Thomas Lennon is um, uh, my mentor, uh, the person who gave me my first job in the business and taught me everything and is sure. a good friend and is a great film. I actually just got nominated for a, an Oscar short this past year for a beautiful short film called Knife Skills about um, uh, about uh, uh, former convicts who are trying to, you know, make a life for themselves in a restaurant in Cleveland and learning, you know, working in the kitchen and, 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 and you know, making... Uh, making a, a really great life for themselves. Yeah, the Battle Over Citizen King started uh, as a paper in the one film class that I took. Um, <laughs> wow. And uh, I, we watched Citizen King, and I remember thinking, boy, this is a really boring film for the greatest film ever made. <laughs> right. <laughs> and... And my professor at the time, a lovely man at Michigan who has since passed away, Frank Beaver, sort of pointed me and said, yeah, well, you know, go look at Pauline Kael and all these other things. And, and what he showed me was that Kane was really this kind of media circus that Orson Welles had created. Um, and that there was this great moment in the story when it was nominated for the Academy Award that year it lost to John Ford's How Green Was My Valley. But every single time Citizen Kane or Orson Welles was mentioned at the Oscars that year, the audience booed. And they booed under the direction of Luella Parsons. And I remember thinking, how crazy that 
any film is getting booed at the Oscars, right? Right. But for, the first film, and any, that exactly. Um, but that the film that they're booing is Citizen Kane. Uh, what's the story there? And uh, so I wrote that. I wrote. I wrote it as a paper in college, and then you know when I was working with Tom, we decided to turn it into a film. Um, so yeah, that was sort of the the, the very beginning of my professional career yeah it's uh it's 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 the bone dvd bonus i don't know if people have dvd players anymore um sure but it's the bonus dvd for citizen kane yeah that's uh that that, what an interesting subject you also did some more um uh films about uh about films right so you did none without sin miller kazan and the blacklist and that had to be an interesting one i i haven't had the chance to um to, to take a look at that, but it explores the McCarthy era through the troubled friendship of uh, Elia Kazan and Arthur Miller. And it's really, really interesting. You know, I always, I, I think I said this on a, an episode of Military Resource Radio, Radio before. Arthur Miller, um, uh, Michigan uh, Michigan graduate, correct? Yeah, correct. And, I, and, actually, I was supposed to live in his in the same apartment my last year of college, but <laughs> wow. didn't happen. But. Wow. And, and, you know, you talk about a guy too, who not, uh, you know, not only was married to Marilyn Monroe at one point, wrote the crucible, wrote death of a salesman, you know, two books that, you know, couldn't have different subject, more different subject matter. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, just an interesting person. And then the other thing too, um, you know, another interesting subject in a film that kind of lives in infamy, you did a documentary called final cut, the making and unmaking of heaven's gate, which is, uh, you know, if you're a film buff, uh, certainly something that you've, you've heard about this, uh, gentleman michael cimino who had done um like the deer hunter was the deer a, hunter yeah right. very yeah. successful film and by the way an amazing film dealing with uh dealing with the scars of war in a lot of ways actually too right. uh if you've never seen the deer hunter if you have uh like four Meryl hours Street's or so first film i think Meryl's, i think it was Meryl's, i think that's her first movie I, I believe so, and uh, and uh, also features uh, Robert De Niro. Uh, Christopher Walken is amazing right. in it, uh, and then uh, of course uh, John Cazale, who uh, right. is that guy who uh, if any, he played Fredo in The Godfather, uh, and I believe he he died very young. He was only in I think five films in his entire career, and I think four of them were nominated for Best Picture, including yeah, The Deer Hunter. Yeah, I mean, he was he was I think dating or married to Meryl Streep, and then and then Shamina went off to make Heaven's Gate, which at that point sort of um, was you know supposedly the film that sunk a movie studio, United Artists. Um, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. A... You know, it's weird. You get you start. You know, I love Susan Kane, and then you kind of and I'm sure that people have this in their careers, uh, not just in film, but you sort of. You get the moniker of oh he's the Hollywood guy and I like I love movies, but I didn't want to spend my whole life making documentaries about movies and it's funny lately people are like oh you're the marine guy and I'm like <laughs> yeah you know I guess sort of um, yeah <laughs> right sort of but uh, you know you what I try to do is hunt for good untold stories you know what I what I want to do is challenge people in a good way. 
I, I mean, obviously, I mean to entertain, right? You don't want to watch anything, or you know, I don't. You don't want to give somebody an hour or two hours of your life and then come away saying, "I can't get that time back." Sure, um, right. But um, you know, I want to tell stories uh, that don't get told otherwise. And um, you know, for me, uh, the Arthur Miller Kazan story, for example, was this like little gem of a story that nobody had considered. I mean, Marilyn Monroe met Arthur Miller because she was having an affair with Kazan, and he sort of threw her aside when she was a nobody, a I contract player that. at Fox. I did not know that. And and Miller just fell wildly in love with her, had an affair, broke it off because he was married. And if you go back to The Crucible, right, um, John Proctor in, in his play, The Crucible, um, has just had an affair um, and is really torn over. The, the affair is the centerpiece of that play. Wow. Um, and why the naming names happens. Well, that didn't happen in Salem. That was not that was not from the historical record. That was Miller talking about his affair with Marilyn Monroe. That's the core of the crucible. Wow. So um, Marilyn yeah. Monroe is Hester Prynne. Exactly. <laughs> At yeah. the end of the day. Uh, exactly. Folks, yeah. a, li- a, and, little, a little crucible reference for you there on Military right. Resource Radio. And, you know, what ended up happening was Miller went to Kazan to say, here's my next play. And Kazan's like, I can't do it. I'm going to name names in front of the House on American Activities Committee, their friendship broke. And so Miller's crucible was really a slap against Kazan. And well, Kazan went off and made On the Waterfront uh, with Marlon Brando, which I think is one of the great films ever made. Mm -hmm. And that's a film about the urgency of naming names. You know, know, uh, Brando names names in that movie. Um, against a corrupt waterfront. And to not name names in that film is um, an act of cowardice. It's unethical. And those two men basically talked to each other for a decade through their work and through Marilyn Monroe. So, you know, you try to find these stories that you can in, in weird ways. And, um, uh, uh, and, and I don't know if my career is helped or, or hurt by the fact that I'm not like the Hollywood guy or I'm not, you know, the military guy, but um, I have been deeply enriched. I mean, I'm very, very close to the, to the former Marines in Lima company, uh, both through social media and just, you know, I, I, I make sure to, to break bread and to have a drink with them as often as I can. Um, and, you know, look, I would not have had that, those relationships if I hadn't made that film, and I'm very much enriched by it. Um, uh, the same thing would be true of the legal defense team and the NCIS guys uh, from Frank Wooderich. I mean, we really went through a crucible together, um, and that's a story of profound malfeasance by the government, who consciously railroaded an innocent Marine. I mean, I, we couldn't figure out what was going on when we were inside the defense. I couldn't figure out what was happening when I went to Iraq. And it was only when the trial was over, and it was such a perplexing end. And I reached out to the two NCIS special agents, former Marines both themselves, and spent years trying to convince them to go on the record. Um, 
that I came to see the full picture. Um, and I'm close with all those guys. And you know, that's the nice thing about what I do. I'll be honest with you. It's not, doesn't always pay the bills. In fact, it very rarely pays all the bills. Um, never pays all the bills, but, um, but I love it. I love it because I am brothers with, uh, with people who, who I simply never would have met otherwise if I was sitting behind a desk. Absolutely. And, and, you know, life at the end of the day is about uh, the relationships that you have and the people you touch, right? And That's what I keep telling myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's not about money, right? Yeah, no, I know. Supposedly, correct, yeah. You know, it's actually funny. Um, You know, you remind me just in the way that you, that you, um, you look at things and just sort of your philosophy and and just kind of the duality and the two-sidedness of any uh, issue or problem. You remind me a lot of Ken Burns, who we actually just had on the show a few weeks back here on Military Resource Radio, wow, and nice. and so uh, another another famous oh, documentarian. It's a lovely compliment. I'm not quite in his <laughs> August uh, uh, company, but I will take it. Well, Thank that's you, okay. You're the first person to say that. Um, so I'll, I'll live off of that for a couple of days. Uh, very nice. Ken's, Ken's great. And, uh, you know, his stuff is, is just incredible and special, oh, it's, really it, special. It, it's unbelievable. And, and he's, and, and he's great. And, uh, and, and believe me, you know, it'll, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I don't get compared to Howard Stern very often either. So, <laughs> so good. I'm good. Well, as my grandmother used to say, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> right. So we'll see right. how it goes. Right. Right. And folks, that's going to be all for Military Resource Radio today. It was a blast having on a filmmaker, award-winning filmmaker, Michael Epstein today. And guess what? He's going to be on the next two episodes of Military Resource Radio as well. So what I need you folks to do is I need you to go on to your favorite podcast outlet, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Player FM, whatever it is, and I need you to subscribe to Military Resource Radio. And while you're at it, please rate us five stars. really helps us out a lot. Um, But I do want to uh, mention, again, please subscribe. Michael's going to be on the next two uh, weeks as well. We haven't even barely scratched the surface yet. This guy is an insightful, intelligent uh, excellent journalist, excellent documentarian. So you're not going to want to miss this coming up uh, next week and the week after on Military Resource Radio as well. Again, my name is Tony Gatliff. I am the host of Military Resource Radio. For all the latest and greatest information on the show, head on over to militaryresourceradio.com and as well, uh, head on over to Twitter and follow us at MilitaryRR. That's at the word military and then Romeo Romeo. Again, I'm Tony Gatliff, your host of Military Resource Radio. We'll catch you next week with another great episode.